Well, I thought we would um, have some fun and start a little bit different today. So I have a video clip for us to watch, and it's sort of a snapshot of maybe your life. Um, I'll let you decide if you think this sort of resembles your life, okay? So let's watch. He makes it. <clears throat> I wanted to play that little clip because sometimes, doesn't life seem that way? Are you ever at points when what he was trying to do to get through that is how you feel like your week is? 
pitfalls and dangers and all of that stress? Where do we step? How do we get through? And in the midst of that, I come along with this message that God wants to turn us into a masterpiece. And we talk about butterflies. And sometimes we're sitting there saying, I'm just trying to survive. What is God's plan in all this? How does all of this play out? How does it fit into the, to the real life I'm living, you're living? Sometimes feeling like that. Or we've stepped on the wrong letter and a leg's fallen through or maybe half a body and we're clinging. And then we come along and say, becoming me, that God wants us to become the full version of what he created us to be, to, in a sense, fulfill all the potential he placed within us. How does that fit together with real life? The life we're called on to live every week, who knows, you know what's waiting for you. Tomorrow morning when you go into work, tonight when you go to work, when you go home, when you have to place a phone call, whatever might be ahead of you. I want us to talk today about how that all fits together. We've in a sense been laying a a foundation and now it's time to sort of move ahead in that journey. And that's what I want to look at today is as life as a journey. There's sort of a a map here, a a route that just curves around. And I just want you to think of that as, as your life. Each of us has a different map, a different journey, but we're all walking along that journey of life. Every one of us. Even though the details may be different. And what I want us to understand today is that this transforming work that God wants to do, He plans for it to happen along that journey. And I think that's so important for us to understand because I think sometimes we get this spiritual idea that that sort of transformation process, I'm just going to sort of withdraw from that. And I need to go off into this quiet retreat setting, and in that quiet retreat setting, God's going to change me. And then as this new superman, superwoman, I'm going to jump back into this path and just break everything and become Indiana Jones. It's not going to work that way. I'm sorry. That's Hollywood. It's fiction. And we're living in the real world. But the good news, and it really is good news, is God says, I want to work with you right where you are. I want to work with you on that journey. We don't need to leave it. I want to be there and in that process of living life. I'm going to help you be changed as we walk around that path. To me, that's exciting to hear. That there is the potential with God's help that this week as I juggle the balls like you juggle balls and spin plates and try and fit too much into a week and all of those stressors that we have, God says, I can work in the midst of that. And I can work in your life in the midst of that. 
on this journey together. Now we've made two decisions, and in a sense, they were decisions we had to make to start the journey. And I know I keep mentioning them, but if we don't make those two decisions, the journey won't work. And, and the first decision we made is that we're going to need to let God drive on this journey. And that was that whole piece about our spirit. That the truth is, we're not God. We're not all-knowing. We're not all-powerful. We can't handle and fix life. Now, we think we can, we kid ourselves, we try, but at some point, hopefully, we're ready to throw in the towel and say, I keep driving off the road. God, it's time for you to drive. One of the hardest things for me to do has been to be able to say out loud to my wife, okay, I'm tired, you drive. I don't know if it's a male ego thing or whatever, but I'll veer off and hit those. But, oh, I'm not tired, I'm fine. And finally, our our dirty little secret is we went to Bible college sort of in this little bitty town, Lincoln, Illinois. If you wanted to see a movie, you had to drive 30 miles away. Well, our little secret is most dates, Peggy drove home because I was falling asleep. And this is real romantic, I understand, but I was falling asleep in the other seat. But I had to admit, I, somebody's got to drive. I can't. That's the first step in this journey, is saying, God, I need you to drive. And we talked about that. This is down inside. Now, as Mark said in his meditation, the wonderful thing is God says, I'm going to come reside inside you in my spirit, the Holy Spirit, so I can drive. I am with you all the time. So we're going to do this journey together. But I can't help you if you won't let me drive. And we talked about that. And the sermons on the web, if you weren't here, I, I urge you to hear that. Because we've got to nail that one down. And, and we talked that too many of us would love to have God as a navigator and a resource. Just get your hands off the wheel. And he says, no, I'm God. You're not. Let me drive. Now, when we do that, some wonderful things can happen. So that's sort of the first thing we have to nail down. The second thing we said, we talked about is what we're thinking matters. What's going on up in here as we go through that journey matters. And we need to pay attention. We need to understand what's going on. This isn't just tiptoeing through life, doing whatever we want, smelling the roses. There's bigger stuff going on. There's bigger stuff going on in my life. There's things God is trying to do I need to be looking for and open to. i got to pay attention. Because it's not just life and what I see. There's spiritual things going on. There's issues going on. Between me and people, what God's trying to show me, what God's trying to do through me, it's almost like there's a whole other dimension going on, and I need to be aware of that. And I need to look at what's going on in my head. What am I thinking about? What am I putting into this brain? Is it good stuff? Is it bad stuff? Is it God's stuff? Is it garbage? Because it will affect my thinking all the way around that journey. So I, I need to nail that one down too. 
And when we nail those two down, so I'm going to let God drive and I'm going to pay attention to what's really going on, we're ready to start around that journey. And it's in the midst of that journey that God says, now I'm going to be at work. And in that process, you're going to watch yourself be changed. Because I'm going to transform you. I've laid out this journey. I've got stops along the way, people you're going to encounter, experiences. I wired you up. I created you in your mother's womb so you'd have everything you need for this journey. We looked at that promise in Ephesians. He says, so now let's start going around that journey. Well, as you take the journey, one of the things you need to do is turn down the music. As I was studying for this sermon, I was thinking about when our kids were young and we would take an occasional vacation and there would be beautiful sights. And getting them to look out the windows and pay attention to what was going by. Sometimes, you know, we have the headphones on. And we're just sort of zoned out and we can drive by the most beautiful things in the world and we miss it. Let me ask you this. What would be a lot of time with God? If I said, what, what would it look like for you to spend a lot of time with God? What would you say? We'd probably, most of us would start with, well, I'd go to church every week. That'd be a first step. Second step? Wow. Uh, get up early and come to Sunday school? Or maybe come on Wednesday night? What if we ratcheted up one more step? Well, I'd go to a small group. One more step? I'd get involved in a ministry and I'd be serving somewhere. And what about talking with God? What would that look like? Well, I'd pray at church. Okay, what if we take it up a step? Okay, I'd try and pray at one meal a day. Okay, what, what, another step. Well, I'd actually try and pray every day. Not just a meal, but really talk to God about something. We say, wow. You see, all of those descriptions are built on a paradigm, isn't it? That to be with God, we need to go over here and spend some definite time with him. And the more time we are with him, sort of off with God, that's what draws us to him and, and makes us holier and closer to him. I want to challenge that because I think for the journey to work, we need to have a different paradigm. I put on the screen three scriptures. Ephesians 6.18, pray on all occasions. Philippians 4.6, in every situation, Pray. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 Pray continually. I put those together because they give us a picture, don't they? Of prayer going on all the time. And when I first read those scriptures, because I was definitely that person who'd been raised to, for prayer, you go off here and you shut the door and you just have this time praying with God and you and God are alone. And then I'd leave God, because he's there, and I'd go live my life. And then I read these verses and say, how does that work? Do I quit work so I can just stay in that closet praying? 
But there's a very different picture here, and I think we see it in Jesus. Prayer is something you can do all the time because prayer is an ongoing conversation with God. And so we start to get a picture of going through life with God there. So as we're going on that road, as we're at work, as we're driving to work, as we're on the ball field, God is there. And we can have that ongoing conversation with God. It isn't always going to be long, lofty prayers. Sometimes it may be that quick prayer that says, God, I have no clue what I'm going to do right now. Please guide me. Sometimes it may be driving down the road in the commute and noticing this gorgeous sunset or this eagle flying or whatever, and we say, God, you're amazing. Thank you. That's prayer, too. And it's being aware that God isn't away from us. He's with us throughout the journey. That changes everything about this journey and how we see God working in us and changing us. I think a lot of us have this view. God is like a gas station. And so I'm going to stop periodically at a rest stop or a gas station and tank up my spiritual tank. And a lot of times, so we could almost put G's around the, around the journey and say, well, every once in a while I need to stop and pull off at one of these G's. And I'll talk to God, maybe I'll have some worship with him. And then I'll get back on the road and continue my journey. But the picture of praying continually says, I'm not leaving God at that rest stop. He's going with me. Now, if you really think about this, it'll change your day. Now, I understand it may terrify you right now because you may not want God in your cubicle and hearing what goes on there. Or you may not want God in some of your conversations, but if you let him be there and are aware of him there, it will change your life. And not just aware as this parent going to yell at you, but as someone who is there to walk on this journey with you and help you. There to talk with. There to ask questions of. There to say, what's going on here? Whatever it might be, that conversation continues every day around that journey. And he's not just at at certain places. He's with us in the whole journey. Well, I want to continue that analogy. One of the other things on a journey is not just being aware of God there all the time and in an ongoing conversation with him. One of the other things, and we all know this in Minnesota, you've got to avoid potholes. Because on any journey, especially if you're up north, there's going to be potholes. And they're bad. We've all hit them. Some of us have popped tires, bent suspensions. All kinds of things can happen in a pothole. We've learned we want to avoid them. And the ones with water full are the danger, most dangerous because you have no idea how deep they are. Life has lots of potholes. And we want to avoid all that we can. Now, what would you think of as the potholes in life? 
I think one of them, we would think of some bad experiences, some tough experiences, potholes. I think the number two, we would probably all list are some certain people. That person is a pothole. And when I have to deal with them, that, that situation and that, and that person are two big potholes. Well, here's the good news. We're going to take the next two sermons, and that's what we're going to deal with. The experiences and the people that we encounter. And how they can help us, how God will use them, wants to use them, good and bad, to help transform us. But today, there's one other kind of pothole I want to talk about. The pothole of temptation. Because as we drive along this journey, that's one of the other kinds of potholes that are going to come up in front of us. Temptations. And those temptations can cause us to crash, end up in the ditch, and we wake up and we say, how in the world did I get here with this airbag in my face? And we hit a temptation, and we didn't handle it well, and we've crashed. Now, in our day and age, what do we think of as temptations? I think too often we think of temptations as something that is out there, that comes to me. It's something external. It's a situation. It's a person. And that person or that situation, that's what tempts me. Well, I want to challenge you today to think about that differently. The real danger in temptation, the real pothole, isn't out there. It's in here. It's desire. Because the truth is, that external situation, person, whatever, has no power over me and will not cause me to run off the road unless there is desire in here that links up. So that means I have the power to avoid that pothole. I don't have to remove that person. I don't have to remove that situation I can deal with desire. And that that's the real danger. Turn over with me to Ephesians 4. 22 through 24. Some challenging words here from the Apostle Paul. He reminds the Christians in Ephesus, you were taught, with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Notice what's happening. Our lives were being corrupted by desires. What kind of desires? Deceitful desires. Now, you were also taught to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Now, do you see how this lines up with what we've said in the last few weeks? That our new self, that transformation, happens as we change how we think. But the first part is we have to deal with desires, deceitful desires. Because the truth is, satisfying desires doesn't bring us happiness and freedom. 
It destroys us and enslaves us. And that's something we have to face. So how do we handle those potholes? How do we handle temptation? How do we bring our desires in line? Well, I want to list three things. First of all, we need to ask for help. And I think that starts with God. And that may stretch you, but it's the best thing you can do. Remember, God is there. He's in the car. He's on the journey. You're not fooling him when you say, I don't have a desire. I didn't see her. That, that, that business establishment isn't pulling me. What, whatever your desire might be, that website, whatever you wrestle with, God already knows. And one of the best steps you can take is to talk with him and say, God, I'm sorry. You've got to help me. This is not working. There's more power here than I want. I, I, I wrestle to handle this. We need to talk with God. And I want you to do something else that's equally stretching. Talk with somebody else. A trusted friend who you know cares, who you can talk with and say, I need you to know I wrestle with this. I need you to watch my life. I need you to ask tough questions. Because it is the knowledge that that person is there and they may ask me those tough questions. That they are watching me because I've invited them to watch me. That will go so far in helping me take the power away from those deceitful desires. The second thing we need to do is honestly consider the outcome. Where will this lead? We need to look beyond the moment. Because so many desires find their power in the moment. And it is only if we only focus in the moment and what will feel good short term that we go along with desires. As soon as we make ourselves raise our eyes up and look out a month, look out tomorrow morning when I have to go home, look out at the end of the trip, look out whatever the detail might be, But long term, where is this going to put me? And suddenly that which looks so attractive is no longer attractive. And I have taken away power from that desire. Now that only works if I am honest in that looking up. Where will this really take me? Not in my fairy tale where everything always turns out fine, but in the real world, in my real life, where am I going to end up? The third part of this is understanding what real freedom is. And, and, and this is one of the biggest lies of our culture today. It's in the media constantly. It is barraging us from every direction. And it is understandable why we buy into it even as Christians. But it's still a lie. And that lie is this. If you satisfy your desires, you will be free and happy. And that it is owed you to satisfy your desires because it is owed you to be free and happy. If you will think about that, you know it's a lie. Satisfying our desires does not lead to freedom. It leads to the worst kind of slavery. 
And the easy examples that we're all familiar with are things like alcohol and hard drugs. Does that give freedom? It gives the most destructive kind of slavery. But that's true with other desires as well. And this myth that I am owed freedom, let me do whatever feels good, because that's what will bring me a fulfilling life, is the lie that empowers desire. And we need to believe what Paul wrote. There are deceptive, destructive desires. And we need to see that. And real freedom, real freedom is... I can hit the off key. I don't have to go to that website. I don't have to look at that woman as she walks through the hall at work. I don't have to stop there. I don't have to go with the guys there. I am free to have control of my life and say no. That's freedom. I am free to be the person I want to be, the faithful spouse. I am free. We need to understand that because that's what empowers God to work in our lives and help us miss potholes when we're willing to do those three things. Well, there's a couple other common driving mistakes I just want to go through quickly. First of all, don't get car sick. We had one of our children who was prone to that you had to deal with that because if you weren't careful they got car sick too hot too curvy ate too soon didn't eat you know you got to figure that out because for each it's different but you sure do want to figure it out or the dad or somebody's cleaning out the car you want to figure it out well the reason i talk about that is what what i want to compare car sickness to is In life, there is a peace that we become our own worst enemy if we don't hold ourselves in moderation. So God's going to be working in us, and he has created us certain ways, and we've looked at those, our personalities, our passions, all of that, and he designed us that way. It's not bad unless it gets out of control. And I want to use two easy examples from Scripture we're all familiar with. One is Peter. Peter was this strong leader. And Jesus would later use that leadership for him to open the doors of the church and get it started. But that same quality, when it was not in control, when it was out of control, caused him to stick his foot in his mouth so far, Jesus had to call him Satan. Get thee behind me, Satan. His strength and leadership out of control got him into all kinds of trouble. Paul was raised a legalist. You kept the rules with Paul or he didn't have a lot of patience with you. John Mark broke the rules. He was a trainee, he was an intern, and he didn't measure up. And Paul said, you're fired, you're out of here. And Barnabas, his other supervisor, said, not so fast. There's still potential here. And it's only later that Paul has to admit there were great stuff in John Mark. And he asked him, please come back and help me. Paul's legalism was great. And we have so much good teaching out of Paul because he said, this is right and this is wrong. 
But that legalism unchecked, that legalism out of control could make Paul go in some wrong places. The truth is we're all that way. Maybe not like Peter, maybe like Paul, maybe like somebody else. We all have strengths and abilities. But if we don't control those and we let them go out of control, they end up becoming our worst enemy. And we're driving off the road because we're out of control. Well, the second little thing about driving that I want to pass along is pay attention to the idiot lights. Some of you are old enough to know what I'm talking about. Cars a long time ago had gauges for everything. And then people weren't paying attention to the gauges or they didn't understand them, so they replaced the gauges with lights. And you can't even see the lights a lot anymore till they flash on in your dash and suddenly the idiot light goes off. I think they were called idiot lights so that they could say even idiots can understand when this light flashes you should do something. But I think there's another reason they're called idiot lights. You'd be idiot to ignore them. Because really bad things can happen in your car. Ortberg throws out Four things that are idiot lights for us that can, he doesn't call them that, I have to own that myself, but four things that um, we need to watch because if they go off, we're in trouble and we need to deal with it. And he uses the acronym RAGS because in scriptures to become the new person, we have to get rid of the rags and put on new clothes. The first one is resentment. Am I struggling with resentment in my life? Is there a light flashing on my dash? I've got some anger, some bitterness over a person or a situation, and it's not going away. I'm not dealing with it. And I need to do something about it because it's gonna, I'm going to break down on the journey. The second one is anxiety. Bottom line anxiety is I'm struggling to trust God. And so I am anxious about some situation. It can make me timid. It can freeze me in place. My life can become consumed with fear because I'm struggling to trust God in some situation, person, relationship, whatever. And so I'm anxious. The G is greed. And it's bigger than just money. It's desires that have taken control of my life. Whether that's about money or other things, but it's desire that's in charge. And the last one is superiority. Self-righteousness, pride, ego. When I start to think that it's all about me. If any of those lights go off in our life, We have a problem. God has a problem working with us. We need to deal with them. That pray continually we read earlier is really in the middle of three verses. That says rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. If you'll apply that as you take that journey with God, it transforms rags. If I'm talking with God, I am rejoicing not in the situation, but that God is with me. 
and what he's doing and what he's going to do, I can rejoice in that. I'm praying continually. I am talking to him about what's going on. And I'm thanking him for what's in my life and what he's doing. Pay attention to that and it removes those rags. Very close to it are some noises that you might hear. Noises of self-deception when we lie to ourselves. Self-serving, everything is about me. Blaming, it's everybody else's fault. Ortberg talks about confirming. We all fall into this trap. I look for people who agree with me. That proves I'm right, because I found five other people who agree with me. And that's the only kind of people I want to be around. Have you got some non-confirming people around you who ask you questions? We need that. Selective memory. I only remember what I want to remember. All these tricks we play with ourselves. Blindness to my own sin. But I see everybody else's sin so clearly. David was one of the greatest men of God in the Bible. And yet he wrote this verse. We looked at it last week. Even David had to say to God, search me. You need to know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. And then lead me in the right way. We need that. There's two types of trips. You see, we all have to take the journey of life. We, we don't have a choice. But we can travel on our own and spend a lot of time in the ditch, broken down in potholes, etc. Or we can take this journey with God, aware of his presence every day. And along that journey, he will transform us by the journey, by the experiences, by the struggles. And we're going to look at that the next two weeks. But the amazing thing is that he is at work in the journey. To make us the people he wanted us to be from the beginning. If we'll let him. If we'll take the journey with him. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you care about us enough to take the journey with us. Driving, if we'll let you. Father, help us let you drive. Pay attention. Be aware of the potholes. Pay attention to some warning noises. So you can do what you want to do and make us into new people. Thank you for that promise, that hope. In Jesus' name, amen.